Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. So glad to be here and we give honor to your pastor and wife. We love them. They're, they're friends with us, uh, with us in many ways, and they preempt um, my pastorate. So long before I even uh, went to Indiana, uh, they were very close friends of ours, and we're very thankful. My wife is from Louisiana, and so I don't know what that means for you all, but, but, uh, but she's, uh, she's a Southern Belle. Yes, I am. Thank you very much. Um, I'm, I, I hope I can be clear tonight. I would like to be clear. Clarity has, has great benefits if you're just clear. And... Um, I found this, this happened, a true thing happened, um, a wonderful, very religious and, and devoted couple got married, and they loved the scripture, and I'd like to just put the scripture, it's from 1 John chapter 4, could, you, could we put that up on the screen, this is a wonderful scripture, and they, they just met with the, the bakery and the gentleman who was making the cake, and they said, we would like to have the scripture on our cake. It's, there is no love and fear, but perfect love casteth out fear, he said. And so the, the, the baker, he said, there's not enough room on the cake. So they said, well, let's just put the scripture reference, because all of our family knows the Bible. We'll put the scripture reference on the cake. And you, you've got to know, that this is a wonderful scripture, but you also have to know that people who are baking cakes, they don't know the Bible. You know, most people, they just don't know the Bible. If you go out in the people at Walmart across the road or wherever, they don't know the scripture. So they just got the scripture and they put the scripture reference on it. It seemed good, but instead of 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, they just put the next one. Would you put the next one up? This is the scripture reference that they put up on the cake. So this is the wedding cake. You've had five husbands, and the one you have is not your husband. So it was the Bible, but maybe not exactly what they wanted it to be. So I'd like to have a little clarity tonight. We need a little clarity. Is that okay? We've got to understand what we're doing here. Um, uh, I, don't, I can't remember how many years I've done this now. Um, we, we always take January, and we're on a fast. So today your pastor and I really didn't know what to do with ourselves. Because, um, you know, a lot of our function happens around food, where there's nothing to do except gulp some air and maybe a cup of coffee. Um, and then that's it. You know, there's nothing to order. So uh, we are also on a fast. Our church is on a fast. We do a thing we call Prayer 300. And every year we do it. We start January the 2nd. I started January the 1st. but um, And uh, we go through the whole month of January until the end. I I want you to know that 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 God orders our steps, and I believe that he's ordered your steps, but I, I can't speak for everybody, but I want to speak for myself. God orders my steps. I know he orders my steps. I haven't made a move that God has not preordained. So I'm, I'm not going to preach this right here, but I'm just going to say it emphatically. I am standing here before you in the perfect divine will of God. The Father has ordered me here in Baton Rouge tonight on Wednesday night. Not because I didn't have anything else to do, but because the Lord wanted me to be here and to speak a word to all of you. Because you're about to launch into a vision, and that vision is going to revolutionize your life and your church. While I walked in this building... I felt that there is going to be something that's going to happen. There is a reality that you don't know yet. You're, you're not in the reality yet, but there's a new reality coming. It's not here yet, but you're about to do something, and it's your turn to do it. It's not God's turn. This is an interesting thing because, you know, I, I think the Lord, he has shown us all through the Bible. These are clauses. If you will do this, I'll do that. If my people, then I will. There's Lazarus, and he's dying. He finally dies. They put him in the tomb. He's in the tomb four days. Here comes Jesus. 
And the first thing the Lord does as he stands there is he commands them to roll away the stone. The second thing he does is call Lazarus out. And the third thing he does, he commands them to loose him and let him go because he's sort of mummified. Lazarus is wrapped up in mummy clothes. And the clothes are laid aside. Now, of course, he needs to save those because he's going to wear them again. I don't know when, but, but Lazarus is going to die again. They fit him very well. But it's interesting to me, he did not roll the stone away by himself, nor did Jesus loose them, loose him and let him go. He did one thing. He does what he does, and he leaves the rest to me. I have to do the work to roll the stone, and I have to lose people. That's the operation of the church. Do you know what your operation is? He's not going to do it all. He's going to give you something you can't do by yourself, but he's going to ask you to do something that he will not do. And if you do what you can do, he'll do what you can't do. I don't know how this is resonating yet, but it's gonna, we're going to get there. Um, I was evangelizing. I wrote songs and, oh, yeah. I wrote Mercy Seat. And, and, and sang and played the saxophone and cut albums. And my kids got a hold of, uh, of um, a C- CDs. I rapped. I was the first UPCI apostolic rapper. <laughs> Brother Anthony Mangan had me do it twice. Brother Urshan preached against it. <laughs> I had a lot of notoriety. That's right. That, that is true. Um, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, it both helped and stunted my evangelistic trail. <laughs> this, <laughs> the incredible part is that, that after evangelizing for 10 years, the Lord called us to a little, little town, a demoralized church. Um, the ceiling would leak in the back. Uh, the lights didn't work right. Um, there were bats that would get into the attic, and they would often find their way into the baptismal tank, which was on this side of our church. I've scooped up several dead bats before I baptized people. Um, we had no money. The pastor before me had some major issues, and the pastor before him had some major issues. The people were demoralized, really. They were you know, very small folks, very small group. And I don't know why we even went there, really. I'm not sure why, because when I evangelized, my, my name was on the marquee. There was a fruit basket in my room when I got to the hotel, and people were happy that I was there. Now, we don't even have any sign out front. Uh, There's no fruit, and I don't even know if they're happy that I'm coming. So we started 19 years ago, and I can remember preaching the word. Eight adults were in the Sunday morning service, eight adults. I preached the word. I preached like there was 800 people there because I had a vision that the church was not going to be where it was then. I had a vision that there was another reality that was going to take place. And we just started to work, and, and we painted, and I, I, I started painting houses, and Tammy sold houses. She got a realtor's license, and she sold houses, and I painted houses, and we kept on working, and we worked, and we taught Bible studies, and I wrote a Bible study, and I kept going to people's homes and taught and taught, and we, we gained, and sometimes we lost them, and you know, we don't know who's coming. We, we work with everybody. Sometimes we get wonderful, awesome people. The Lord spoke to me, and um, he said, go stop by Terry Modisette's office, and he's the prosecuting attorney in our, in our town, and I said, well, Lord, he doesn't really know who I am. I'm not going to go there, and the Lord spoke to me again, and just, I felt it. Go stop by his office, and I, of course, argue with the Lord. I don't know how you talk to him. But I talked to the Lord. I said, he doesn't really know me, Lord. Why don't you have someone else go and, and uh, we'll send him a letter. And finally, the Lord prodded me. And I went to his office and I, I, I went up to the lady there, the receptionist. And I said, I'm Pastor Jeff Harpel. I'm here to see Mr. Modisette. She said, do you have an appointment? And I said, no, I don't, I don't have an appointment. She said, well, wait right here. He's in a deposition. And she went back and I waited. And she came back and said, Mr. Modisette would like you to have a seat in his office. I went to this big office, big blue leather chairs. I'm sitting down there. The Holy Ghost hit me. And I started crying and speaking in tongues. And I'm praying. I'm interceding. And I finally said, Lord, you got to stop this because he will think I'm bizarre. I'm odd. I've lost my mind. I dried my tears. The, the door opened up. Small talk ensued. He's sitting behind this big desk. I'm talking to him. Finally, we got down to the point of, why are you here? 
And I said to him what the Lord told me. It was very uncomfortable for me to say it. I said, the Lord sent me here to tell you that I was supposed to be your prophet and your pastor. And he sunk down and put his head on that desk and started crying. He said, Pastor, I've been working out at the gym every day. I went to the little chapel at the YMCA, and I started to speak in tongues, and I don't even know what I'm doing. I baptized him, his wife, his two sons, his secretary. There was a Holy Ghost revival. I'm seeing something that's beyond my present reality. Of course, I also won Lonnie. Lonnie came to God, poor, nothing, zero, no clothes, no car, no food. His wife came, Samantha. She don't like the Lord. She don't like anything about Jesus, and she hates the church. She don't believe in the Bible or God. Lonnie got baptized. She got mad, crossed her arms, scowled, said a few cuss words while I'm baptizing him. Oh, Lord, thanks for Lonnie. Oh, God. I didn't even know those words existed or how they could be put in the proper syntax, but she showed me how that happened. Work with Lonnie. Two years. Lonnie's doing great. Lonnie wants to be in the altar. Samantha's in the back. She's mad. She's mad that Lonnie has God. Finally, Lonnie gets depressed. I didn't know Lonnie was depressed. He left. I couldn't find him. Finally, we found Samantha, and she said, Lonnie died. Lonnie died. I was hurt. Lonnie died. Yes, I was hurt. He died. Well, where, where's he buried? I cremated him and buried him. He's gone. And that's what happens sometimes. You don't know who you're going to win and who you're going to reach. Of course, a year later, we saw Lonnie walking down the road. He's <laughs> like Lazarus. Find out, Lonnie got terribly depressed, faked his own death, Samantha went along with it, and that's how it went. I got a vision, though, if I keep on trying. Drug dealer walks down the front last year. He walks down the front aisle, collapsed right here, the drug dealer in our town. Big drug deal, dealer. He's a user, too. Shiloh Ralston, I baptize in Jesus' name, is the head of the drug task force. Shiloh comes out. He comes to this side, puts his hand on, on that drug dealer's shoulder. Mr. Modisette, Brother Modisette, now baptized him. He's the prosecuting attorney. He's praying for him on this side. Think of it. Here's the operation of the church. The man who would arrest him and the man who would prosecute him is praying for him that he would receive the Holy Ghost in the church. I got a vision of a reality that's not yet here, but it's coming. But I got to do something. I got to roll stones away. The stones are what I put there. The grave clothes are by necessity. The grave clothes are really what's binding up all of our world. But the stones is what I put there. So tonight, I'd like for us to just to, if the ushers can help me, I don't want you to, you, you can draw a picture of your family tree here if you want. But don't fill this out real quick. Maybe even don't even write on it if you don't want to. But you can. You can write your name or your grocery list. This is just a sample for you. And I brought them. Our team put this together. Your church did not put this together. We put it together. I just, we found this. We put it together for you. I want you to see what the vision is going to require. We're going to have to roll some stones away so that we can see what God can do. This is a commitment card. In time, you might have one of these or you might use it if pastor so elects when the church is ready to launch. This is a financial commitment card. We've used these at our church. On the front side, you'll see debt retirement. It has a red arrow there. Can you see that red arrow? So we did the math. Our, our, our crew back home did the math for you, and we found this out. For every dollar that you give right now to your principal in your church, you save $1.64. That means for every dollar you give today, you're saving two, you're, it's like giving $2.64. Of course, this is not just an algorithm, it's, but it is a mathematical equation based upon interest and, and, and maturity of a loan. The prayer is for you to be debt free. I want to be the head, not the tail. I want to be the lender, not the borrower. The Bible promotes that. I want that. Now, I'm going to tell you, 
When we went to Terre Haute, Indiana, the church was in debt and the people didn't know they were in debt. And it took me a little while, but when we burned the mortgage, the first mortgage, it was awesome. It was a great Sunday. We burned the first mortgage. Of course, like a big dummy, I burned the actual mortgage. That's a lot of paper, and there was a big fire on the platform in the big bowl, and smoke was everywhere, and the fans were going everywhere. <laughs> Last September, we burned the next mortgage, and we became debt-free. In seven years, we built uh, not just a church building, but a complex, and I might show it here tonight. Um, just This is a, just a, it was, this is an information video. I'll show it maybe in a, in a little while. Oh, you want to do it? Let's, let's go ahead and do it. This is, this is our church uh, in New Life, and I'll just kind of point it out. This is the first building that we started with, and that's our North Campus. Our youth have church there. We, we put a new roof and everything. Our daycare, Little Life Daycare is there. Across here is our new building, and that's our first phase. And we're going to build an atrium in front and then a sanctuary in front of that course you have to know we had no money when we started zero money if you look to the right there's a food pantry called compassion ministries this is our guys have a drone they love to take pictures from the air Uh, our main sanctuary worship and you don't really need to see that but so this is our current sanctuary right now we'll We'll change it in time. And um, uh, we're a generational church. I'll talk about that. But but we have so many young people and children involved in our worship set and our, our church service. Um, our food pantry has exploded. We started with three cans of soup in a closet. Last year, we gave away 36,000 meals, 110,000 loaves of bread. Um, this is a new pathway. It looks different even from there. That's a new playground. Uh, that we just we just put in this last year. This is a new bus barn. It's finished now. It looks better than that. That's our food pantry called Compassion Ministries. Vice President Pence shopped there right before, because he was our governor. He shopped there right before he was nominated. We've got pictures of him. We made him shop. Because we're just not a food pantry. We elevate the integrity of people that are struggling. We don't just give away food. They're shopping just. These are new, new apartments, studio apartments for missionaries and evangelists. All of our missionaries come and stay for a couple weeks at a time. They look like little Hilton hotel rooms. And uh, we, just put those, we just put this together. And that's the student life building. Um, I wish, I don't know if there's video of it inside of it, but there's about 115 teenagers that worship every Sunday morning and Wednesday night in that building. That's our old building. And that's some of the frontline praise team for the youth. Okay, so that, there's the property. Anyway, isn't that great? See what God can do? If you only knew where we came from, you are a massive crowd. You're a mega church from where I started. Nobody. People didn't like each other. No love. No money. People were in debt. No leadership. Bad name, bad location, bats. We had a ladybug farm growing in the windows of the church. They didn't know they had a ladybug farm, but they had a ladybug farm. We, were, we could have sold ladybugs. I hate ladybugs. I smash them now. Sorry if, for all the PETA people. Um, so I want you to know the beginning of this is your vision of what you're going to do. And I'm just encouraging you to get behind the vision that pastor launches. We did it, but we didn't know how we was going to do it. But one little girl came up. She's about nine. She put a commitment card, and she made a deal with her dad. She figured out that soda cost $1 at the restaurant. She wanted to give her soda money to the church. So she committed $144 a year, and every time she would drink water instead of soda, she made her dad give her a dollar, and she did it. She gave $12 a month to the building fund. I'm going to tell you what, that's powerful. When your children get a hold of giving, it changes your life. You see your hand right here? You want to have a closed fist? You can. You'll keep everything you have, but you also can't receive anything because only a hand that gives can also receive. A closed hand can never receive what God has. Jeff and Casey Coachvar. They're an interesting couple. They are, a, they are the ultimate blended family. We've got tons of blended families in our church. 
But they were married and divorced. She had been, she had been married several times before uh, she married him, met him. Uh, they came to the Lord, and um, we baptized them. They received the Holy Ghost, and it was a wonderful thing. It, they have, she has daughters. Um, he has kids. He has, he has foster kids that he adopted, and then they have children, nine altogether. And his father has always been a good man, his, his dad uh, has always been a real good man. He's older, and he always took care of his dad and his kids, and so they all lived in a little house and no money. But they worked hard, but they just didn't have any funds, no, no funds. And the campaign came around, and we were going to launch this thing, and we were going to give. They wanted to give. But years ago, they had gone to a farmer and found 10 acres out in the middle of the nowhere, made a deal with him, a land contract, not through the bank that if they gave him $164 a month, that's all they could afford, that he would give them the land. And he said, well, when you get it paid off, they've been paying on the land for years and years and years. When the campaign came and the vision cast came and these little cards went around, he got together with his family at home. They prayed about it. And they said, the only money we have is the money we've been giving to the farmer to buy this 10 acres. Now, this is a poor family. I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable here, but this is the kind of family that didn't flush the toilet on a regular basis because they could not afford the water bill. So only on certain occasions were they allowed to flush the toilet. It's the family who was very careful with food. Nothing went to waste. They didn't run the water. They left a little tub of water in the sink to wash the dishes. It's the family that didn't ever buy new clothes, kept in case, in fact, Casey has never bought any furniture, brand new furniture ever in her life. She restored furniture and found things and fixed it. And they gave $164 in the campaign. All the money they would scrape together to give the farmer. The farmer said, well, listen, if you don't give me the money, you're just going to lose the land. All those years and years and years of giving. Trying to pay off the property. The fathers live, his father lived with them. All these kids and uh, and they and they for they would just they they left the land and put the money into the offering. Not only did they give their tithes, which wasn't much, but they also gave that hundred sixty four dollars. It's an interesting thing that after several years of giving, something happened to this family. His father is doing very well, but he had a cancer come to his body, and it came from the factory that he had worked in. Brother Coach Farr is doing really good. In fact, he's, he, no one can believe it. He's the last one of that factory that's still alive. And we don't know how it happened, but, but a lawyer called him. The courts settled out, out of court. There was 30 or 40 maybe now different companies that have been issuing their plastic to this company. And now all the settlements are complete. They just bought a $400,000 home with cash. <laughs> they didn't buy new cars because they didn't think that that would be good, so they bought old used cars. But Casey did call my wife and said, Sister Tammy, I'm going to buy a couch, and I'm at Oak Express because I'm about to spend $500 on a couch. And she started crying, speaking in tongues at Oak Express because she said, I can't believe. See, they don't know. When, when you give God that $2 million plus now that came to their family, and now they don't really know what to do, it was an easy give to give their tithes and their offerings but when they for when, when they forfeited their 10 acres and their 164 dollars they didn't know the reality they were going to live in today or what was going to happen today so he bought his brother a house bought them cars he gave to missions he's given to the church and his life has changed you wouldn't even know who he is because he didn't go out and buy a whole bunch of stuff he's still trying to conserve water but he did tell the kids flush the toilet Okay, we're going we're gonna to get us a new toilet. We're going to flush that toilet because we're in a new house. You think that, and the problem is we've got a lot of money grabbers and charlatans and pulpiteers that always give these ideas. You're going to plant a seed offering. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real stories, real testimonies from real people. And I know from being a pastor, I know what happens. I know this because 
We'll preach about faith and about giving. And sometimes you get a, a, a good group on board, but there's always someone skeptical. I just want you to know, no one's forcing anybody to catch the vision. But if you catch the vision, God can do something for you that no one else can do. And I want to tell you, when we started our campaign, we started in the recession when everyone lost their jobs. We started in the worst time that America had had for a long time since 1929. Our church started giving and making a commitment when no one had jobs and no one had money. But we prayed and we fasted and we said, we don't know how this is going to happen, but God's going to do it, and he did it every time. I'm just asking somebody, if the Lord gave you $10,000 that you weren't expecting, would you put it in the offering? Could you believe God for $500 and put in the offering? Could you believe God for $100? Could you see what you have in your life and say, I'm going to make a commitment, and you start to roll back stones, and God can do something that you cannot do? I can't tell you how many people are working jobs they're not qualified to work right now. Everybody who made a building fund commitment, not, not everyone, everyone who has those jobs made a building fund commitment. They, they were supposed to have a degree, a master's, or a bachelor's. All We have so many people that have high-level jobs right now. They're not qualified on paper to have. But God can do that. Listen, he walked through a wall to meet his disciples. He doesn't need a door to put you in the room. He don't need an open door to put you in the room. He is the door. He don't need your resume. All he needs is your faith. And we're not taking up an offering tonight. We're not filling out anything tonight. I'm just here to let you know something great is about to happen. We got to pray. We got to fast. We got to ask God for faith. We got to start believing God. We got to go back and make sure that we are right with God. This is not a game. It's not a, this is our lives. God can put you. I want you to look at this building. Imagine this room right now as a foyer of your new church. This is a foyer of your new church. This isn't the sanctuary. It's the foyer of your new church. When I looked out at eight people and I'm preaching and I'm believing God, I was believing God's going to do something. God's going to do something. I was, I was teaching a seminar in Wisconsin and it was a district seminar and they had me in a room. The room was just, it was narrow and, and I was talking about many ways. The, one, some of the raise, reasons why churches don't grow is because of skepticism and a lady to the left, uh, she she, uh, uh, she turned to her friend and said, I don't, th- I don't know about that. Case closed. <laughs> what a wonderful statement. This idea that we're going to be right here. You're not going to be right here. You don't have enough room. You don't have enough room. Let me just tell you right now, you don't have enough room. Because your friends and your neighbors, let me tell you, your best friend has not yet walked in the church. Your best friend hasn't even come here yet. There's going to be people that, hear hear me now, there are going to be people who walk in the church. It very well could be that your son-in-law and your daughter-in-law is not yet here, but they're coming. You haven't even met them yet. You don't know who's going to walk in the church. You don't know how many drug dealers, how many attorneys, because we're after everybody, the high and the low. We're not, we're not segmenting anybody. We're after everybody. If you'll believe that, if you'll receive that, then you've got to put your faith into action. Now, listen, it's not all about money. It's about faith. In fact, money has very little to do with it. It's about believing God. Oh, well, that almost sounds counterintuitive. But if you get your finances in order right now and you believe God for it, I'm going to tell you other things will be freed in your life. See, Jesus didn't say that we'll only serve God or the devil. In fact, the Lord said there's only two gods, God and mammon. You can only serve God and mammon. I told pastor today, and the reason for that, I believe, is because the gods have to be created. And God created us, and so he is God because there's a creation involved. But we created money. He did not. And so money becomes our God. So we can either make the Lord that created us or our our own creation to rule us. So we've got to get that in order. And we're not going to serve money, but we're going to be in charge of it. It's not going to control us. And when we start giving to God, God will provide wonderful blessings for us. God can provide wonderful blessings for you. Amen. Everyone said amen. Amen. Well, um, Terre Haute is a town of about 60,000 people. Uh, I, did, I didn't even know it existed. 
uh, we would stop there for soup every once in a while on our way from Indianapolis to St. Louis when we were traveling. Brother Mooney instructed me to go and check this place out. We did. We fell in love with the people. We made a covenant and a commitment with the, with the church. Something happened in those early years while we were working, and we worked, and we loved the people, and I started teaching Bible studies. And in a short period of time, doors started to open up. One night, we baptized 12 people. It took me 45 minutes. One night, we baptized 15 people. After a few years, I couldn't believe it. We were keeping track and records. We had, because we always give away a baptismal certificate, you know, I don't know, proof for heaven, whatever. Make sure you keep this on you. Um, <laughs> I don't know, it seemed good, you know. Um, I baptized 850 people. I, I don't, we didn't keep all of them. I wish we'd have kept them, but we baptized all kinds of people. We were baptized, we were in the middle of that. At that moment, my oldest son, Roman, was nine years old. We, there was a trifold. One of the Sunday school teachers said, you have to learn how to teach people how to be baptized. It was a trifold about baptism. He went to the neighbors, Jill and Gordon, and he knocked on the door. He said, I've got to learn how to do this. Can I, can I, can, can I use you as guinea pigs, or can, can you help me? They sat down at the table, and Roman was nine years old with a little trifold about baptism. He sat there and taught them about baptism. All he did was read through it, and they all filled in the blanks together. And I baptized Jill and Gordon in Jesus' name because my nine-year-old went across the road and taught them a Jesus name baptism Bible study. He couldn't even really explain everything, but as he taught them, Gordon, who's a hunter, hunting dogs and all the stuff, he said, I, I can't go hunting this weekend, Jill. I think we need to go to church. And they came to the church and they got the Holy Ghost and they got baptized in Jesus' name. Their family was baptized in Jesus' name. They're still loving God, serving God. Our daycare director called us right in the middle of our giving season. We were giving. We were giving. I don't even know how this happened. We were giving. Tammy and I said, we're going to give. Every month we were giving. We didn't even know what we were doing. We were giving and kept giving. She sold all kinds of stuff in the attic. She, she sold all of my prized collecting elephants that I had. They're gone. I have no collections. They're gone. Some lady in the church, years before she was a wealthy lady, she gave me a, a block of silver, a hundred troy ounces of silver. It was bizarre. I sold it to a guy in, in town. I said, if, if, you'll, if, you'll, if you'll give the church $3,000, I'll give you this bar of silver. He did it. We, were, we made a $50,000 commitment. We didn't even know where that was going to come from. $50,000 in three years. How are we going to do that? We had, we had babies, diapers from Sam's cost 30 bucks a box. And men, they can use the diapers like crazy. It was, what happened? We had four children. They kept on using the diapers. It's like, stop feeding them for crying out loud. The wet wipes. We had four diaper genies all over the house. The place smelled horrible. No matter what cologne I wore to church. Creed, Spring Mountain Water, Gold Cabana, Light Blue for Men. It didn't matter. It all smelled like Ithamil by the time I got to church. How are we going to do it? We just, we kept on praying God was going to do it. God was going to do it. We're not going to buy a washer and dryer. I'm going to keep driving my old car. Had 365,000 miles on it. It was, it was just kept, kept going, kept going. I know that Altima can keep on going. We kept driving. We kept driving it. And one of the businessmen in the church, he went to his accountant, and the accountant said, man, you're going to get taxed heavy this year. You're going to get really taxed heavy. And he said, well, what can we do? He said, you need to buy another vehicle. I said, we, we can't, we don't need any more trucks. And we don't need any more. He said, you need to go lease something and buy it. Otherwise, all that money is going to the government. And his sons got together and said, well, why don't we just get the pastor a Land Rover Discovery and we'll just give it to him and let him drive it. So I traded my 365,000-mile Altima that piece of junk, and now I've got a car I don't even pay the insurance on. I praise God. I'm just going to hand it back when it's done. You cannot give the Lord. I'm standing up here to tell you, if you'll do something, he'll do something. If you do your part, God will do what you cannot do. I'm a witness of it. Open up your hand and let God have something that cost you something. Let God have something you believe him for. He has never failed you. He has never owed anybody anything. Everybody said amen. And the Lord 
in this giving season, the Lord kept on doing these wonderful, powerful things. I could tell, I could, I'm not going to spend all night, but I can tell you story after story and family after family and young people that were doing great things and elderly people who were doing awesome things. And I don't even like Beanie Babies, but somebody had like a thousand Beanie Baby collection. Who buys Beanie Babies? But they sold all the Beanie Babies and they gave all the money to the church. And I'm standing here right now to tell you, New Life Fellowship is the head and not the tail. And in September, we burn a replica of the mortgage on very thin paper that kind of just poof, and it was gone. It was like magic paper, you know, poof, it was gone. And we held it up, but we didn't burn the whole mortgage, but we, we, we burned a replica of the mortgage so that we didn't smoke everybody out and the fire trucks didn't come. And we burned it on September the 2nd, and we became the head, not the tail. And I'm here to tell you that everything that's happening back home is happening under the grace and mercy of God because the people said, we're going to make a commitment. And they've been making commitments for a long time. Our young people make commitments. My daughter, Alexandra, um, she is, uh, she's 14. This is a problem here now. This is a big problem. And uh, this last couple months, she has discovered uh, heels. I'm very distraught. She's kind of grit, you know. She's very beautiful, very, gr- but a lot of leather and lace, gritty kind of. She has three brothers and... Um, Roman, uh, my, my Roman, and then Reagan and Alexandra and Nicholas. We call him Nico. He's forging, by the way. He's forging. He's a forger. Just made his first knife. Um, he's eleven, and uh, I, I don't know. He kind of uses our house like his own crib. He has his own life going. We don't know what happens to him. He just comes and goes. Sunday night, he's out with people. The other kids scrape their money to get half-price appetizers at Applebee's, so they can get some chicken wings. He, all of Nico's friends have cars, mortgages, and careers, and he comes back in on Sunday night, and he said, oh, man, that shrimp and steak was awesome tonight at Outback. <laughs> and I said, well, Nico, do you want to sit here with the family? You want to talk? He said, no, I've got tea time tomorrow at 8 o'clock, because he's also a golfer. So it's just a bizarre kind of man, little kind of man that lives in our house. We're not really sure what he's doing there. And so Alexandra said, you know, we've got to raise some money for missionaries. And she started making strombolis. And, she, of course, when she's in the kitchen, she commands all, the, all of her brothers, the two older and the younger. And, and she made strombolis the other day. And she said, we're going to raise $1,000 because we've got to raise some money for missionaries. And she got on the phone. She called everybody. And she made a sacrifice. The kids, the young people are going crazy. They're, I think we had eight or ten real McCoys this year. They just... They're just doing it, I'm going to tell you. And the Lord is blessing them. One of our young guys that said, I'm going to be, I want to be somebody for the Lord. I'm going to give to the Lord. And his parents said, well, well I don't know. How can you know? I don't, I don't know if this is going to be worth your time. Yes, I'm going to do it. And he's only 17 years old. I'm going to do it. I, this is my last year. I got one more year uh, of high or uh, half a year of high school left. He did it. He gave everything he could. And the next, this last month, one of the businesses in the town just gave him a $20,000 scholarship to the university. I'm telling you right now, when you, when you start trusting God and giving God, he'll give you back more than you could ever handle. You can't even handle what God's going to give you. I want to tell you, not just finances and money, but all kinds of other things. In fact, the blessings of God are not just confined to a dollar bill, but in your home and your families. Hear me, God will sustain things that should fall away and rot and rust away if the children of Israel could wander the wilderness for 40 years and their sandals not wear out God can make your washer and your dryer and your car and your health and your house last longer than it should last don't you know the Lord sees everything he can see everything I'm here tonight because I'm excited I've got the vision for your church pastor's going to launch something and when he's ready You take tonight and last Sunday, you take it home and you believe God is about to do something and be prayerful because when it happens, you might get a card. I don't know if you're going to get this card. You're going to get something. And when you're ready, then you're going to be prayerful and know we're going to be the head, not the tail. Now I'm going to tell you right now, we we love going through Dave Ramsey stuff. We've been doing that for a long year, uh, uh, many years. But it's beautiful when you don't owe anybody anything. Tammy and I didn't, we didn't even know this could be possible. But when we paid off our house, 
and we didn't have any car loans, it's incredible not to owe anyone anything. Do you know how much authority and power this church is going to have when you burn the mortgage? And I really feel like, to start with, you need to burn the whole thing. I think, let there be a big bonfire up here. And let everyone wear a gas mask when you come to church that Sunday. Just, and the next time you burn it, make it a small piece. But the first one, we should just torch that baby. It's going to be an awesome day. Listen, I do CFO work for several companies, and I have for many years. And I, and, and I, I know how these finances can go. We, we can get out of hand, and of course, I know a lot of people struggle with credit card debt, and they struggle with other kind of debt. But I truly believe that when I committed my life to God and I committed my finances to God, he made ways for me. I never had credit card debt, but I, but I always had a home loan, a home mortgage. But when I got rid of that many years ago, it was incredible. My life changed, and our lives changed. Now, when it's time to give, I'm ready to give. I'm anxious to give because the Lord has allowed me access to give, and God is going to bless your life. Even when you are in a shortfall and times are rough or you don't think you can do it, trust me, right now here today, I'm in the order and the will of God. God is going to bless your life. And you're going to tell the testimonies. And out of this house is going to come great testimonies, beautiful testimonies. I just want to, I want to make a proclamation here. I don't know if this is a prophetic word, but if it is, let it be, Lord. When you make your commitment and you start giving, God's going to give you job advancements you're not qualified for. He's going to make things sustained, be sustained when they ought to, to be worn out. Things are going to last longer. He's going to put something in your hand, and you're going to be able to pass it on to God. And then when you give God whatever you can, he's going to shower you with blessings. You won't be able to contain those blessings. In fact, you won't even know how to use those blessings because they've never been in your hands before. And you're going to, someone in here is going to be in a store just like Sister Casey. And you're going to be crying saying, I've never been here before. I don't even know how to act when I'm in here. It may not be a furniture store, but I believe God can do that for someone here tonight. I'm going to say, I'm, listen, I'm not on staff. I'm here because I love you, and I love your pastor and your pastor's wife. I'm here to tell you God did it to, for me to be here. He did this. He, he orchestrated my path to come here tonight, and God is going to give you an explosive revival because when you start giving to God, he gives back to you. I wasn't after money. I was after people. I was after people because when I catch the fish, I get everything that's in their mouth. I get their talent. I get, I, 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 get, I get their abilities. I get everything that's about their life. And sometimes it's not good. Sometimes I get a Lonnie. Sometimes I get a Terry. But I'm, I, I love what Ron Mullen said. He said, people are pitiful and we are all people. <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm just after everybody. This is a little town in Indiana. We are a multicultural church. Five African nations are represented in our church every Sunday morning. Indian people, Spanish people, our Nueva Vida church is growing. We had 43 new Spanish-speaking people, people from Guatemala and Mexico and all kinds of places. It's incredible. It, something is just exploding in this place. We don't even have room for everybody who comes. How is that possible? How do you go from leaks and a bad roof and no money? I'm going to tell you how. It's the hand of God. It's me unraveling people and rolling stones back and he calling life where death was. Everybody said amen. I feel the Holy Ghost right here in this house. Come on, just stand with me right now and just lift up your hands and your voices. Would you just receive something? Just receive it. Say, Lord, I receive this. I believe it. I know that you can do anything. There's nothing too great for you. There's nothing too small for you. God, you could do anything in this house. I, pro- I proclaim it. I believe it. I speak it out of my mouth for hundreds of people to be saved, hundreds of people to be baptized. I pray for a release of money from my hand to yours, and I know, Lord, that you're going to do something in return because I know you are not a respecter of persons. I know you are not the God who just picks and chooses, but anybody who obeys you can do it. So I praise you right now in the name of Jesus. I give you glory in the name of Jesus. Pastor has a 
has a vision. It's, it's from the Lord. It's not just from the Lord. It's also scriptural. There may come a time when the church has to take out a debt, but right now we're following the word of God that pastor has heard, and that's to be debt-free. We're going to be free indeed. I got to do my work at my own life. For many years, people stopped going to Starbucks. They start putting their Starbucks coffee in the offering. Did all kinds of crazy stuff. It all started to add up widows on fixed incomes and business people and all kinds of folks. They started giving and God started multiplying their lives. It's unbelievable. Pastor, we're, we're just about there again. We're going to have to launch another building campaign for a new building. We're out of room. We have to recast the vision, but what I have right now at my disposal is a, a church full of testimonies of people that God has already done it. If God has already done something for you, you know it was a miracle. Lift up your hand. Whatever kind of miracle, healing or children or finances, if God's ever done a miracle for you, the same God that did that miracle for you, he can do more miracles. He didn't run out of miracles and power. He didn't run out of ability and power. God can do it. God can do it. I want to pray the right prayer. <laughs> the, pray I want to, the prayer I want to pray is with joy, not sadness. This is a joyful time. When I become a cheerful giver, God not only adds to my life, but he adds it in a wonderful, joyful way. Tammy and I, we're, we're committing. This is a year of great joy. I want to give with great joy, not with reluctance, but we're giving with great joy. I'll, I'll end here. Um, we have to pray the right prayer. Everyone, we have to pray the right prayer. And the prayer is, use me, Lord. Remove my doubt. Increase my faith. These are the prayers. Um, Tammy and I went to a, wet, uh, a funeral. We had several funerals uh, a couple weeks ago. And I didn't know that I was the speaker. There was two other ministers there. And for whatever reason, those ministers, when I went in, they just said, one minister said, I'm just going to have something to say. And the other man said, I'm going to sing a song. And they were very quick. And then finally they turned to me and said, Pastor, would you like to preach now? It was in a funeral home. Uh, I, I wasn't sure. I didn't know the deceased very well. I knew his wife. And so I got up to speak, and the Lord helped me. Thank God he helped me. The place was kind of packed out. Tammy was over to the left. Some of our church ladies were there. She got a text from one of our, one of our young women in our church, her father, uh, wouldn't wake up. He couldn't breathe. Something was wrong. And the text and the ladies were, were going to just hold hands right there because her, the, the, one of our ladies, her father wouldn't wake up. And when we didn't know who, what was happening. So while I asked everyone to pray, Tammy took advantage of that and said, let's just agree together for Sister Robin's father. And Tammy started to pray, in the name of Jesus, wake up. Wake him up right now, Lord. I got to remember, we're at the funeral parlor. She even got more bold. She said, let's just hold hands and pray right now. In the name of Jesus, Father, wake him up right now. Until she realized everyone was looking over at her, wondering who she was praying for, and the deceased was not waking up. And Tammy realized that's the wrong prayer at the wrong place. Although it would have been great if that man would have got up out of the casket right then. He did not. You got to pray the right prayer. Don't pray amiss. Don't pray, well, Lord, just bless the church. Lord, just now just bless the church. I want you to pray that God would give you understanding, direction, and clarity as to what you ought to pray and how you ought to prepare. This night, this Wednesday night, of all the times, this is the night that God's going to start doing something in your life. I believe that. I believe that. And there, you may see me again, I don't know, but, but if, if you do, I just want you to know, and, and I'm not asking to come back, Pastor. I love you. I, I, whatever you want me to do. Just go on the internet. You can see me on the internet. 
I've got guys that have cameras running around all the, all the time. It, if you do, just know this. I'm taking you on and praying for you. And my fasting days are for many reasons, but today I knew when I was, yesterday when I was coming here, I knew I've got to fast and pray for this church for LifePoint. We're praying and fasting for LifePoint. I'm praying there will be powerful people, men and women, young people, rise up, children rise up with a vision for a brand new church and a brand new revival and to be the head and not the tail. I'm praying for that. I'm praying specific prayers. I'm praying that someone in this room, even here tonight, you'll catch the vision and something will change. You won't care what anyone else does. This is not a contest who can give the most. This is a, this is a pursuit for a burden. God, empower me. When you bless the Lord, he blesses you. He blesses you. Hear, hear me now. He blesses you, and he blesses in you in ways you can never imagine. God blesses I. I, I have so many stories to tell you. I can't tell them all. Because we have to leave. Many of you have got to go to the restaurant and eat on our behalf. I want us to pray one more time. And we're going to pray that God will unite the church. I want you to pray. That you don't have to lay hands on pastor tonight. But I want you to pray that the pastor would have vision and clarity and how to direct us as we go forward. It's a pivotal night. It's an important moment. Now, Father, I pray. As we close here tonight, I pray that there would be wisdom and guidance in the church, that you would give understanding and you would give great joy in our giving. I pray for Pastor Lord that he would have clarity in how to lead the congregation. I pray, Lord, for all the people. Let there be great warriors, men and women, young people with great faith that would put their trust in you, Lord, I pray. And I'm asking you, Lord, right now, prepare our hearts for a season of sacrifice. And Lord, let it come quickly that you would bless us in return. Let your blessings be made known. We give you all the praise and the glory. Now I'm praying right now, let someone's doubt be cast out. Let the doubt and the fear, Lord, let it be bound up through love and through your mercy and through your grace, I pray. I pray for every thought of skepticism, Lord, to be banished from this house, Lord. Let there be nothing but faith, Lord, as we move forward. Close our own mouth, Lord. If, if, if we're about to speak something in doubt or some criticism, Lord, of, of what we're doing even here tonight, Lord, but let it be nothing but, Lord, you're going to direct us and you're going to give us vision for it, Lord. You're going to do something in our lives. And, Lord, when we see something happen, let us know this is the moment, Lord, that you have prepared us. I pray for a giving season to break out in this house. A giving season. I pray for all the corners of this city to open up, Lord. All the doors that have been closed to open up, Lord, I pray. I pray for a mighty revival of people that will walk in. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by the preaching of God's word. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, or if you plan to attend one of our services, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.